Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. For this week's episode, we met up with Tess Monty in Pawhuska, Oklahoma to talk about all things outdoors. Tess is an award-winning journalist and a founding board director for the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Foundation, alongside Blake Shelton, I might add, who works in the city but maintains a rural lifestyle. She is an avid hunter, noodler, and outdoors woman. Today, she's sharing about her love for hunting and noodling, as well as small towns, and her intentionality behind honoring the animal in every hunt. So here we go with Tess Monty. All right, well, we're here today with Tess Monty, outdoors woman and news reporter and anchor from Manford, Oklahoma. Hey, good morning. Wait, I, I don't know. Should I say morning or evening? Whatever you want good it to be. Day. At this point. Good day. Good <laughs> day. <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Anytime I can get away to Pawhuska is a good day for me. Yes. Glad to have you here. This is actually where I met you at the gala last yes, year. So. Yes. And it's been so fun to get to keep up with you and all of your travels and the fun things that you're doing. Well, I can say the same about you. So <laughs> I'm excited to talk more we're, about that. We're busy girls. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your background. Have you always lived in Oklahoma? Um, I grew up, I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I only left for three years for my first job and I went to Arkansas. Okay. So So not far. Not far. Um, I lived in Fayetteville, Arkansas for three years and then I came back to Oklahoma. Okay, great. Couldn't wait to get back. (laughs) (laughs) So you've actually, you grew up in kind of a semi-small town, but you're actually in a smaller town now, right? Yeah, I grew up in El Reno, Oklahoma, about probably 15,000 people there. I graduated with less than 200 people in my class. So, you know, we knew everybody, knew what everybody was up to. Everybody knew what we were up to. It was still had a small town feel, even though it was a little bit bigger. Now I'm in Manford, where I think the population's between 2,500 and 3,000. And, uh, you know, you got one elementary school, one high school, one middle school. And um, it's it's great, though. I love it. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So good. Well, what do you love about your small town? I think the people are the best part. I mean, I'm going to say that every time. Uh-huh. There's something about people in a small town. There's just a kindness. It's slower paced. Nobody's in a hurry. You're just you're just there enjoying life is kind of how I view it in a small town. Well, it's no secret that you love the outdoors. Has this been a lifelong thing for you or a more recent thing? More recent. So in the past eight years is when I've really gotten involved in the outdoors. Um, it started with a noodling story for News on Six. That a few weeks later led me to my husband, uh, also on a noodling trip, and um, it was pretty much from then on I have been hunting and fishing and fine-tuning my skills and learning about the outdoors and wildlife in Oklahoma, and it's just been the greatest pleasure of my life. That's so great. So do you think being married to your husband has helped that? Well, he's a wildlife biologist. Oh, so, so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I'm with an expert um, every day, you know, whether we're outside or at home, I'm learning something new from him. And that's been pretty fun. Pretty fun. Yeah. Tell us about the outdoor sports that you're into. So um, I noodle in the summer and um, we're talking like 
almost every day if I can do it. And my schedule pretty much allows it now because I get up so early in the morning, I have all afternoon and evening to do whatever. So um, I get out on the water almost every day in the summer to noodle with my husband. And then um, after noodling season, it's dove season. And then it's deer season. And then it's coyote, predator, hog hunting even though that's not tech, technically a season, you can do that all year round. Okay. We kind of, we do that in our off season. Then we go to morel mushroom hunting, deer antler shed hunting, and then it's on to turkeys. So we live by hunting seasons and fishing seasons versus um, like fall, summer, spring. I, didn't th- I need to throw in spoonbill snagging too. We do that in the spring as well. Those big prehistoric paddlefish. That's so exciting. Yeah, we stay busy. Yeah, I love it. So when it comes to hunting, what's your favorite animal to hunt? Oh, it depends. Whatever's in season. Okay. (laughs) Um, That's kind of how I feel because by the time I get to deer season, I just can't wait. And, you know, I love it so much. But I would have to say if I had to pick a favorite. It's probably chasing turkeys, hunting turkeys. Um, and I didn't even want to hunt turkey in initially. My husband was like, oh, I think you'd really like it. You'd really like it. And I thought, well, that just doesn't even seem fun hunting a bird. But he finally talked me into going out with him. And the first time it was, you know, just as the sun was starting to come up and he hit the, the, the hen call and I heard the turkeys gobbling far off in the distance. And I mean, I got chills and I was done. I, that was it. I just was obsessed. I became obsessed with turkey hunting after that. And um, I wanted to learn how to call myself. I wanted to be able to call a bird in without having to count on my husband to do it. I wanted to go out and do it by myself. And I wanted everybody else in the world to love it as much as me too. And so definitely have a, a maybe a greater passion for turkey hunting. It's just really, really interactive. And um, I can't get enough of it. Unfortunately, the season only lasts one month in Oklahoma. Oh, wow. So, and you can get three birds. There are different rules. I won't get into all of that. But um, one month is all you get. And I look forward to uh, April 6th every year. That's wow. that's the day it opens, turkey season. So you have the picture. You have a picture of the most beautiful turkey I think I've ever seen on your Instagram feed. I think it was, was it last year? I, I had a really good season last year, so probably. Yeah. And we had some nice backgrounds in the places we hunted last year. And uh, my turkeys were full fanned uh-huh. because I've, I've gotten some before that were missing like a tail feather here or there, you know, <laughs> and that's okay. I don't, I don't shoot them for the, for the feathers. Um, I love turkey meat. Of all the wild game that we hunt or fish, turkey's the best. So, um I've also had some really bad seasons. Okay. The season before last in 2018, um, I I think I was up to five turkeys that I shot at and missed. So um, it was a rough, rough season. I think I I was so excited about turkey hunting that when I got out into the field to do it or into the woods to do it, I I was just psyching myself out. And I was anticipating the shot and I was pulling up and, you know, I, I missed it. I scared a lot of turkeys that season. <laughs> so I redeemed myself last year. I did a lot of uh, practice shots before the season began. See, I could, you could have a whole turkey hunting podcast with me. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you just, should start one. I could just talk <laughs> turkey all day long. <laughs> have you been turkey hunting? I haven't. Oh. No. Maybe I'll have well, to come. You, I mean, I know a place. 
Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's just such a, a blast. And to get to introduce other people to that is is a great thing too. That's awesome. So how much of hunting is a mental game? Talking of, psyching yourself out. Mm, mm. For me, it's a lot of it. Um, if I get in my head, then I'm, I can really botch a hunt, whether it's just spooking an animal or missing completely. Um, you have to, you've got to be patient. You've got to be focused. It's easy to get distracted with our cell phones and things like that. So I try to keep my phone packed away and just focus on the hunt. And really it's more enjoyable that way you're out in the woods or pasture or water or whatever it may be. It's nice to have a break from everything that we have going on in our daily lives. Yeah. It's like you're supposed to be unplugged. So yes, yeah. exactly. Well, you do a great job of honoring the animal in your hunts. Talk about your intentionality with that. Well, you know, when we go out and hunt, we know we're going to take a life. And that's just something that we do not take lightly. And um, when I see an animal, and I know it's one that I want to try to harvest, you know, I say a little prayer. I say a prayer before that I make a good clean shot, and I say a prayer after thanking him for providing me with that. And we don't let anything go to waste. It's so awesome because the past, I'd say about three or four years, I have not had to go to the grocery store and buy meat. I, I am able to provide for myself year round and my husband, the two of us combined with our hunting, we have enough deer meat and turkey meat to last us through the year. And by the time we get to our next season, it's time to fill her up again. And that is so amazing. That is. Yeah. So how did you learn how to harvest the animals? You know, you didn't grow up around it. Mm -hmm. So that's a, I would imagine a big learning curve. Well, I hadn't really shot a gun before I met my husband, uh, maybe a couple of times with friends growing up out in El Reno. Um, so we first started with shooting and getting me comfortable with a gun. And then you have to know where to aim on the animal in order to successfully and ethically harvest a deer or a turkey or whatever it may be. So we spent a lot of time watching hunting shows and we would, my husband would pause the hunting show and I would go up to the TV with a little pointer and I would show where I would aim in whatever angle that animal was. And I mean, we did that for months and months and months. So it took a lot of just practicing that way, a lot of target practice out um, on the shooting range and um, just talking about it. And I've, I've made mistakes, you know, I, I've done some, I've made mistakes. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm the best hunter in the world. And I think if you haven't made a mistake out in the field hunting, then you haven't been doing it long enough. You have to have a couple of those hunts where you still think, I, I just don't want to talk about it because that was a rough one. But every single time I've made a mistake, I've walked away a better hunter because I've learned a lesson from the stupid thing that I did, whether yeah. it was shooting over, shooting under, you know, um, those things happen. Yeah. So what would you say to someone like me? I've hunted very little. Mm -hmm. I would love to do it more. Just, you know, have to be around the right people too, I think. But what would you say, even if someone didn't know as much as I do about it, how do you get into hunting? Well, I've thought about that myself too, because my husband is who introduced me yeah. to hunting. And I didn't really 
know all of the resources that were available to folks who were interested in it. And so um, there are places to go. So the wildlife department, the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife, that's a great first stop because they can kind of direct you where you need to go. There are a lot of groups like the National Wild Turkey Federation um, that have mentorships where you can, you can meet up with somebody who can help teach you. In fact, this just past weekend, I helped teach a crappie class and my husband was there with me. And as we left, we thought, maybe we should start doing other classes. Maybe we should start doing like a how to hang a tree stand class and how to, you know, hunt on public land and how to hunt a turkey and just to make it easier for people because there are some folks who really are interested, but they don't really know how to get into it. So I think first stop, the wildlife department, there are a lot of biologists out there. There's information and education folks who can direct you or go to somebody like me or uh, some of the other outdoors men and women and send them a message on Facebook and just ask. I think that's the biggest thing. We're afraid to ask, but we're help, you know, we're all willing to help. Yeah. Because that's the whole point. We want more people to become involved in the outdoors. We want more people to hunt. It's a tradition and we don't want that tradition to die. Yeah. And it's, you're asking somebody who it's their passion. So Mm -hmm. they would probably love to tell you about how to get started. Yes. And I have a lot of people who will send me uh, questions about it and I'm happy to help them. Now I might not give them my exact spot that I'm hunting. I mean, I'm a little bit private about that. I'm private about my noodling spots, but I'm happy to help give you some pointers on how to get started or where to go. Or even if it's just online, I mean, YouTube, there's a lot of great stuff. Podcasts, there, yeah. there are a lot of ways to learn. And I'd, I would be happy to, to direct people to that. And I know that there are other outdoors men and women who are the same way. Great. So going back to noodling, tell us about noodling because it's not legal in all states. Oh, so some right. people aren't for really for sure how that all works. So mm-hmm, tell mm-hmm. us about noodling. Okay, yes. that's another topic that I could, you know, talk yeah. for hours and hours <laughs> on end. Uh, noodling is hand fishing. So that's where you're not using any bait. You are just using your hands to catch the fish. And the fish, when you're, you noodle in Oklahoma, it's, I would say, mid-May to early August. That's the time that the catfish are spawning. And we noodle for flathead channel cat and blue cats and blue cats are the absolute meanest they have the the strongest bite and um but the flatheads are the ones that we catch the most they go into a hole to spawn which is mating Mm -hmm. and um we have a lot of holes in the lakes that we noodle we prefer to do lakes some people like to do rivers lakes creeks but the lakes are what i feel most comfortable with the river has a current and that makes me a little bit nervous So you find holes, and a lot of times you use your feet to just work the bank. That's what we call it, work and bank. And when you find a hole, then you go in and you check that hole to see if a catfish is there. And you know when there's one there because it's going to bite you. (laughs) (laughs) So so we usually know the the biggest safety advice for noodling is um, make sure the hole that you're checking, it's a rock hole. Is, the, is what we, we noodle. Some people will go into the bank, their beaver dens and things like that, or brush. Uh, we kind of stay away from that. We prefer rock holes. Um, is to make sure the hole is fully submerged with water. Because I'm sure you can imagine the number one question I get is, aren't you scared of 
snakes, snapping turtles, and beavers. And yeah, I don't want to run into any of those things. I don't. But um, if the hole's fully submerged, you're likely not going to find any of those things in them because snakes, snapping turtles, and beavers all need air to breathe. So if there's an air pocket, you might have one in there okay. hanging out. And in a fully submerged one that you're, we go back to the same holes, you know, every couple of days because the fish will come in and then it'll go out and then it'll come in and then it'll go out. Um, so we'll hit up the same holes throughout the summer and we know it's a catfish hole. And if there's a catfish in it, there's not going to be a snake, snapping turtle or a beaver. They're in there protecting their, their eggs and their spawning territory. So fun. And you wear like a big thing on your arm, right? To protect yourself. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I do that. And I mean, the scars are super cool. A catfish can chew you up and it's, you know, it makes you feel super tough. Very cool. But when you are a news anchor and reporter, you cannot go air on air in the summertime with a bloody, bruised up, scabbed up arm. You just can't do it. So after um, it was my second season of noodling, I caught a 30 pound catfish and it had chewed my arm up well past my wrist. And, uh, and that's not the fish's fault. I was, I, I put my arm in there and when I was pulling it up, it kind of spun around and it, it's kind of like a uh, carpet burn. Their teeth are like sandpaper and it felt like a carpet burn. And, uh, I had to wear a wrist guard on air on the news for the next like two weeks because it was so obvious. And I had one sweet viewer. I get bruises too from my arms rubbing up against the rocks. Uh, I had a viewer that was worried that maybe something dangerous was happening in my home life and called the station to have folks check on me wow. when it was just rocks. Uh -huh. So, so yeah, I wear gloves. I wear a, a long, either like a, like a welding sleeve or long sleeves. Okay. And that usually helps keep me from getting chewed up. And when you're doing it every day, I mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The opportunity to have some scrapes and bruises is greater. What is the biggest fish you've ever got? The biggest fish I've ever noodled is 52 pounds. Wow. Yeah. I had my hands on a 60 pounder this past summer and my father-in-law ended up catching it. <laughs> Which was okay, because he's been noodling longer than I have, and okay. um, it was he was super, super excited, but I couldn't get that fish turned around, and he was able to work it and, and pull it out of the hole, but uh, it was neat to see the 60-pounder. 50-pound fish was great, too. 52 pounds, she was a female full of eggs, and we release um, almost 99% of the fish we catch, and we always release anything over 20 pounds. We want to let those fish keep growing. That's great. Yeah. So on those same lines, what's been the favorite animal you've ever hunted? Okay, so my like my best hunting memory, that happened just this past December, and it actually wasn't with me. I wasn't the hunter. I was helping guide a little girl with brittle bone disease. Aww. She's a friend of mine, or her, you know, I've met her through stories, and uh, she's become a friend, and her family has become a friend of mine, and I had an opportunity come up where somebody said, hey, we're looking for kids to come out and, and hunt does. And so I said, well, I, I have the perfect little girl. And um, so we, we got out there, and the landowner fell so in love with her. He said, you can, you can hunt any, any deer you want. I don't care how big the buck is. If you want to harvest it, you can. So brittle bone disease, she can't shoot a gun because her bones are so weak that the recoil on a rifle would break her collarbone. Oh, wow. And she wanted to hunt so badly. 
So she started working with her crossbow, practicing, and um, then this opportunity came up, and we went out, and it was um, Courtney and then Jared, our other, the other guide. I say the other, he was the guide. I was just kind of tagging along. He <laughs> helped set it all up for us. So it was Courtney, Jared, and me, and um, everything just came together, and to watch her pull the trigger on that crossbow and then watch that deer fall and her reaction was just, uh, it just warms my heart thinking about it. She couldn't believe it. She said, I thought I would never get this opportunity and I'm just so excited and I, I can't believe, I just, she kept saying, I can't believe I got a buck. I can't believe I got a buck. I can't believe I got a buck. And so that is my top number one hunting experience and it was not me behind the trigger. I love that. Well, let's talk a little bit about your day job. You're an award-winning news anchor. How did you get into journalism? Um, from the time I was 10, I wanted to be a news anchor and reporter. And, uh, I mean, it was the Oklahoma City bombing that got me interested in it. When that happened 25 years ago this April, um, all I could do was watch the news coverage, and I wanted to know everything. I, I mean, I was 10, and I could not stop watching the news. And I'd always watch the news. I grew up watching the news. But that it was in that moment when I, I said, this is what I want to do. And I never wavered. And that's what I went to college for. I went to Oklahoma State. And here we are. So good. Well, it's fun to watch from my perspective, because I see how you get to tie in on camera the things that you love off camera. Uh huh. So what are some of your favorite stories to tell? Or to cover, we should say. Outdoor stories. Yeah, yeah. No surprise. <laughs> That's not a surprise, right? <laughs> Outdoor stories are my favorite. But, you know, I always tell people, uh, people will sometimes give journalists a hard time if they're not hard-hitting investigative reporters. I'm not ashamed to say, hey, I, I, I like to be a fluff reporter. Bring me the happy stories because I think we need more of that in our news. And I love to do that. And those, a lot of times, are the stories that people remember. I love weather coverage. I love covering the aftermath of weather. Um, but the happy stories are really where my heart's at. I think that's great. We do need more of that. Yeah. Yeah. So being a news anchor, you have to be located in a pretty big city, typically. But how great is it that you get to do that job and live in a small town? Oh, that's the best part of it. Um, I've, I've lived in the bigger, I lived in Tulsa for a while and that was fun and everything, but I would much rather get out of town and be in a small town and just get to travel into Tulsa. And I love Tulsa. Tulsa is a great, great city and it has a little bit of a small town city vibe, but I'd rather be out in the country if I could. And what's funny is in my, in my coverage, the photographers that I work with, we all joke if you're going out with Tess, you're going to be out on a dirt road somewhere. <laughs> That's the joke that we, we continue to make because I try to find the stories that are far away. I would much rather drive to Pahuska or Nawada or Pawnee or McAllister or Quinton, you know, these little towns that don't see a lot of news coverage. I want to get out there and see what's happening in those communities versus in the bigger areas that get covered so heavily. Yeah. Well, with your news platform, you do a great job of using that platform to help others and pay it forward. And you kind of alluded to that with your story earlier. What are some of your favorite things that you've gotten to be involved in from that standpoint? 
Most recently, I was asked to serve as a founding board director for the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Foundation, and that was super meaningful to, to be thought of to help I don't founding director that means we're starting this and that's all to raise money for the wildlife department so that money will go into projects that are going to help support our wildlife and our conservation efforts here in Oklahoma uh, I'm serving on the board with Blake Shelton so that's pretty cool to be able to say hey um, I'm working alongside one of country music's biggest superstars who's also one of Oklahoma's own in making our wildlife and conservation better in the state. So that's that's probably number one, but it's also just introduced me to a lot of wonderful people. And I think back to my career, eight years here in Tulsa, and I'm able to scroll through my Facebook feed and I get to see these people who I wouldn't have met otherwise. And sometimes I tell those people, I wish I'd never met you because a lot of times their stories were hard and I met them because of sad circumstances. But what a great thing to be able to build relationships and friendships through this job. That's probably been the greatest thing. And I have done stories in the past that because we covered that news story, it made a difference in either the person's life whose story I was telling or a greater change in some other way. So that's, that's the greatest thing that I can do. And as far as outdoor life goes, I do have a platform that other people don't, and I take it very seriously to make sure that we paint outdoors men and women hunting and fishing in a positive light. Because as I mentioned earlier, it's a tradition. Hunting is a heritage, and fewer people are getting involved in that. And so I hope that through showcasing it, whether it's on social media or on the news, that it kind of like sets a light bulb off in somebody's head and thinks, oh, hey, I could do that. I want to try that out. That girl on the news does it. You know, she's all fancy and fixed up and, you know, she she's a news re reporter and anchor and she's out there hunting and fishing. That seems pretty cool. I want to try that, too. That's great. What excites you most about rural Oklahoma and rural America? Well, I think the name of your blog is what's most exciting. Rural Revival. Seeing these small towns and and the young people in them who are interested in investing in those communities, that's what excites me. I love to see these old historic buildings being brought back to life by somebody who cares enough about their community to do it. That's what excites me. I, I, nothing pains me more than driving through a small town and seeing all of the buildings, the windows boarded up, no life in that community. So to know that there are people who care enough about their communities to want to try and jumpstart it again, that is unbelievable. And props off to them. I wish I had the smarts or the, the ability to do that myself. I just think it's so amazing. Yeah. Of course, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> you go to some pretty great places, don't you? I do. Yeah. I feel very blessed to get to do that yeah. and share stories like you do, just on a little different level. Yeah. So. Well, your, your blog has got my wheels turning like maybe we need to do something more you know Oklahoma focused as far as rural revival goes because there are a lot of communities in Oklahoma that are really turning around yeah yeah there's a lot of great stories that we need to tell mm -hmm. and you are so thank you thank well, you for what you're doing you're welcome and thank you too it's <laughs> fun that we can partner together and get the stories out there absolutely so. 
Well, what's next for you? Besides working with Blake Shelton, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> oh, what's next? It's going to, I'm not really a big planner. I, I, I don't mean to be cliche and say I yeah, kind of live by the I minute, but uh, I really don't plan. And I think the greatest hope is that I continue to build in my career at News on Six and grow there. Um, and obviously I'm going to keep hunting and fishing and introducing more and more people to the outdoors. That's a big goal for me. And um, maybe someday start a family. We'll see how that goes. But just kind of living moment by moment at this point. I love that, actually. That tends to be more how I live, too. So, yeah. And it's great. I'm not stressed. Yeah, exactly. I, think, <laughs> yes. I feel like if I had, you know, made all of these plans, if I had life planned out, that maybe I'd be disappointed. Yeah. I'd rather just see what happens. And it's an adventure. It is an adventure every day. Yeah. Well, how do we follow along with you and keep up with all that you have going on? Well, you can go to uh, Facebook and Instagram. Those are my biggest platforms that I share on. Tessmani, T-E-S-S-M-A-U-N-E. Perfect. Well, we will link to that in the show notes. Tess, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I hope I feel like I talked a whole lot, so you may have a lot of editing to do, but I really enjoyed it. Anytime I can talk outdoors, small towns, Oklahoma, I am in. Okay, well, maybe we'll get to come back for round two someday. So <laughs> please do. Okay. Bring it on. Thanks, Ted. Thank you. Well, I love Tess's passion to showcase the tradition of hunting, and I also love her advice for anyone wanting to get into hunting or fishing. Be sure to check out the show notes for links where you can follow Tess and everything she's involved with. I'm also excited to tell you about Cultivate by Rural Revival, a new online group we're starting that's focused on growing your small business and bringing revival to your communities. Whether you're a small business owner, a chamber director or board member, or someone who is focused on bringing life to your small town, this group is for you. Go to ruralrevival.co slash cultivate for all the details, and I hope to see you in the group. Huge thanks to Tess for being on the podcast, and thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.